You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Huda Nation, and welcome to Locked On Saints, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. Ross Jackson here at Ross Jackson ASC on Twitter, your host covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, like nobody else does it every single Monday through Friday. Lead analyst over at AllSaintsConsidered.com. Welcome, as always, to all of our first-time listeners, as well as to all of those of you who have been supporting me from the jump, Houdad family, and welcome into Monday's episode of Locked on Saints, but no victory Monday this week, and deservedly so, as the Saints dropped their first game out of the bye week at home 26-9 against the, at least before the game, hapless Atlanta Falcons. We'll recap the game, and here's the thing. I'm going to be harsh. And I'm going to be honest, but I'm not going to sit here and just complain. Today, we're going to recap the game, but I'm also going to talk about exactly what went wrong for the Saints in this unexpected loss, including why there's clearly no reason for a panic button. And we'll talk about the longer lasting effects of this loss for the Saints, as well as some key injuries and how they could affect things moving forward. So we're pulling no punches on today's Reality Check Monday. We got all of that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. The Saints perhaps get the reality check that they needed on Sunday with their 26-9 loss to the Atlanta Falcons. The Saints opened this game up struggling against the run, which they would do for the entire game, allowing 143 rushing yards to the Falcons, coming in as a top three run defense. And with Devontae Freeman getting hurt, facing their third string running back with Ido Smith off to IR. Despite that, they held on just enough, allowing only three points to open the game and then would actually match that with a nice opening drive of their own, tying the game up at three. The Saints still have not scored a touchdown on their opening drive this season. Despite the Saints opening drive having a nice run pass balance, four runs, five passes on the 10 total plays, including the field goal, that would end up being over a third of the Saints run attempts just in that opening drive. They completely abandoned the run early, rushing for a total of 11 times as a team. Michael Thomas had more catches this game with 13 for 152 yards than the Saints had rushing attempts. And the thing is that there was no reason for that as the Saints had kept themselves in this game until late, going into halftime down only 13-6 to with the only touchdown being a strike to Austin Hooper early on in the second quarter. The Saints then inched closer with Will Lutz's third and final field goal of the game, closing the gap to four points, 9-13 before this game got completely out of reach. Brian Hill, that third string running back guy, talked about runs for a touchdown to make the score 9-20. to Still in grasp though, 11 points there. The Saints simply can't move the ball against the Falcons defense that came to New Orleans as one of the worst in the NFL. As the Saints offense continued to sputter out through the air, multiple drop passes being forced into deep progressions and getting sacked six times in this game, the Saints find their way to an embarrassing 26-9 loss to their now 2-7 division rivals. In the Saints offensive line, they gave up six sacks to a team that only had seven on the season coming in. Andrews Pete, one of the biggest defenders who got... uh, embarrassed a couple of times, just completely run over on the interior, who then suffered an arm injury and was replaced by Will Clapp, who didn't fare much better outside of his usual jumbo role. Marshawn Lattimore was also hurt in this game with a hamstring injury, but honestly, the Saints passing defense held up without him, allowing only 317 total yards and only 174 net passing. The rest of the damage was done on the ground or to themselves. The Falcons were 6-15 on third down, including four of those going for third and seven or longer. 
five additional first downs were given up by the Saints by penalties, four of them coming on hands to the face calls, four hands to the face calls in one game. And they're all on wax. You can see them. They're all there. These weren't wrong calls, bad calls, anything like that. They're absolutely right. And there were four of them. Three of those penalties that led to first downs ended up taking place on drives that yielded 10 points when they otherwise would have forced a punt. Two of those happened on the same drive, and that drive ended up being the Austin Hooper touchdown in the second quarter. An additional fourth and 15 was given up to a first down thanks to JT Gray and a roughing the punter call. That gave them another three points on what otherwise would have been Saints ball. That's 13 points that ended up being what could have been punts, but ended up being given to the team because of penalties. The Saints defense as a whole didn't actually play a bad game. Like I mentioned, only 317 total yards given up, though they ended up with only one single sack in this game by Demario Davis, and the pass rush was actually present throughout. They got 21 pressures on the game, including a few hits on Matt Ryan as well, most of them coming early. What really stunk up this game was the Saints offense, who couldn't get anything going. Aside from Michael Thomas's big day and a little bit of an emergence from Jared Cook as we had hoped, who reeled in six passes on nine targets for 74 yards and converted on four first downs, there wasn't much of a bright spot to be found. Again, the Saints completely abandoned the run. They only ran 11 times, while Drew Brees threw for 45 passes and only gathered 287 passing yards. And again, this game did not get out of hand early. Alvin Kamara, who was back and maybe not 100%, hardly touched the ball. Four carries, eight catches. And even though he averaged six yards per carry, they just completely abandoned it and there was no reason to get rid of the run game like they did. And even if they were worried about Alvin Kamara's health, look at what the performances Latavius Murray have had over the last couple of weeks before the bye week. He only touched the ball five times on the ground, two times in the passing game, seven total touches. So like I said, Big time reality check for this Saints team coming out of the bye week here and getting knocked around. Is there is, is there any reason to panic here? No, I don't think so. But the Saints simply didn't play their style of football yesterday. And because of it, they got their throats kicked in. It's plain and simple. So now they have a lot to learn from over the week after dropping a divisional game in embarrassing fashion to very likely the worst possible opponent. So, okay, the Saints lose this game to the Falcons, but what does that mean for them for the rest of the season? And why did they drop this game? What went wrong? We're going to talk about both of those things through the rest of this episode. But before we get to that, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now, now you can increase your performance and get the extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue. Like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night even on a full stomach and since they're chewable they work up to twice as fast as the pills so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises now this isn't just for guys who can't perform it's for any guy who wants some extra function to enhance the performance in the bedroom blue chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package so no in-person doctor visits no waiting at the pharmacy and best of all no more awkwardness they're made in the usa and since blue chew prepares and ships direct they're cheaper than a pharmacy and right now we've got a special deal just for our listeners visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use the promo code locked on L O C K E D O N, just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's B L U E chew.com. Promo code locked on to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. All right, Huda Nation. So the Saints drop an embarrassing loss to, of all teams, the Atlanta Falcons. It, it could have been literally anyone else, and it wouldn't hurt as much as it does for them to drop it to the rival Falcons, who are one and seven 
coming into this game and to drop it at home in the dome. But it's okay. The Saints now moving forward to the rest of the season have many opportunities for redemption. First of all, immediately, uh, or the most immediate example of that would be the Thanksgiving Day games where they travel to Atlanta to take on the Falcons and try to spoil the holiday season for many Georgia fans. But even outside of that, look, they still have an easy schedule moving, easier schedule moving forward, and they still have some favorable matchups ahead of them that they can continue to bounce back from this. I don't think that this means that it's the end of the road for the Saints and then all of a sudden they're bad. I mean, we we talked about this with the uh, New England Patriots. They dropped one game to the Baltimore Ravens and all of a sudden everyone was concerned about them. This kind of feels like the same case for the Saints. No reason to be concerned in terms of long-term damage here, but let's talk about what it was that went wrong. How did the Saints end up dropping this game? We'll look at this from two perspectives. I'll talk about self-inflicted wounds and then I'll also talk about what the Falcons did well because the Falcons did some critical things well in this game. So let's talk about the the self-inflicted wounds first. I mean, the Saints didn't have any turnovers in this game, but it was the penalties that we discussed in the first segment that were absolutely crucial uh, in this game. The Saints could have kept about 13 points off the board with plays that they made that were erased due to penalties. And in fact, those penalties weren't limited to just the defense. The offense also had their fair share of drive killers as well. 12 total penalties in this game for 90 yards. The Saints were penalized for 38 more yards than they had rushing yards in this game. Then, when they did get a chance to capitalize on either a good defensive stall, big returns by Deontay Harris, which he had two, almost three, and even the interception by Marcus Williams, even that late in the game, in the fourth quarter, the Saints were still only back two scores. We've seen them score two times in four minutes before, but regardless, they just weren't able to do it. That was the lone turnover in the game with Marcus Williams' interception. He almost had an earlier interception as well, could have had two, but still, the only turnover in that game, and the Saints could not capitalize on it. They couldn't sustain drives and would either fall flat thanks to penalties, as we just talked about, or they would have their drive stalled by horrible offensive line play. And those penalties that were over on the defensive side, as well as the lack of production over on the offense, led to a time of possession split of 33 minutes and 46 seconds to 26 minutes and 14 seconds. The Saints have made their season so far on controlling time of possession, winning in the trenches, establishing a run game. They couldn't get any of those elements going on Sunday, and some of that had to do with the another self-inflicted wound, just abandoning the run game mad early, way too early in this game. 11 rushes in this game for 52 yards. And here's the thing, they didn't abandon the run game because it wasn't working. That's 4.7 yards per run. The Falcons averaged 4.2 on an excellent day on the ground. New Orleans chose to be pass happy, even though this game was still very much in reach for three quarters. Their negligence in the run game forced the defense to play 70 total plays after not playing more than just over 50 over the last four games. 70 total plays for this defense. You get pass happy, but you don't move the ball, and then you're burning through downs and saving clock for your opponent on their next drive. That's the way that this works. If you don't get a run game going, you're not eating up the clock, especially if you can't connect in the pass game and make it count. And the Saints could not do that. And the Falcons took advantage of that by playing exactly the opposite. They ran the ball 34 times this game, and Matt Ryan threw only 35 passes, a perfect split. So that's part of what the Falcons did well. But a couple of other things that the Falcons did well Their two biggest improvements in this game, well, first of all, started off with the run game. An unexpected boost from rookie Brian Hill with Ito Smith on injured reserve, Devontae Freeman leaving the game early with an injury. Hill ran for 61 yards on 20 carries and caught the 10-yard touchdown that helped to put the game a little bit further out of reach, increasing the lead to 20 to 9, 11 points there. Atlanta didn't have to lean on big days from Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, who only caught six passes combined between them because 
they're able to control the pace and win in the trenches against one of the league's best defensive lines and one of the league's best run defenses as well. The other big improvement was their pass defense. You could mention that the pass rush was as well, who racked up six sacks after coming in with only seven on the season, but... The switch to the new defensive backs coach Raheem Morris worked like a freaking charm for the Falcons. The Falcons secondary played a whole new approach. They were taking away the first read from Drew Brees to make him for to force him to look elsewhere. And because of the extra time that that took, that's why the pass rush was able to get home and they got five out of their six sacks on those plays. Five of the Falcons' six sacks came on plays when Breeze had to work through his deeper progressions. He couldn't go to his first read. That's all secondary play. Those are coverage sacks. I admit that I did just say that the offensive line, that there was horrible offensive line play, and let's be real, there was, but at the same time, we should acknowledge too that they were often asked to hold their blocks far too long at times. We got on Teddy Bridgewater all the time about holding the ball too long. Drew Brees had that problem in this game. He was not decisive. He wasn't making the decisions that he needed to make, and he wasn't doing it in the time that he needed to. When you ask your offensive line to hold blocks for three, four, five seconds, you're going to run into trouble, and there's going to be residual effects, not just giving up the sack. It wears the line down. It opens doors to holding penalties, hands to the face penalties, things like that, and also inflates the chance of injury, not just on the play that the sack itself happens, but also on the plays immediately following. The Saints were simply completely outplayed, and as Coach Payton recognized himself after the game, outcoached by a Falcons team who came in and challenged themselves to do exactly what it was that they hadn't done well all season. They challenged themselves to run the ball against a very good run defense, and they challenged their personnel to play very good pass defense against a very good passing team. The new perspectives of the assistant coaches that were shuffled around to help the defensive backs and the running backs for the Falcons. Falcons worked like a charm for Atlanta, who have now essentially won their Super Bowl this year. The good news for the Saints is that they now know that they have to improve and continue to get better. And they were very good early in the season, and now they're going to find everything on tape in this game that they need to get even better than they were to start the season. Larry Holder put out a great piece over at The Athletic that I recommend you read. If you subscribe, if you don't, I, I also recommend that you subscribe. Yesterday, highlighting the unexpected and disappointing losses of lesser two lesser teams through each of the Saints' most successful seasons. Seasons. And this seems like just another one of those road, you know, those bumps in the road. And the Saints can learn from this and find a way to get better than they even were earlier this season. Now, this loss doesn't stop at week 10. It has some lasting effects for the Saints' playoff position, as well as some presiding concerns thanks to injury. So, what does this loss mean for the Saints and their season ahead? We'll discuss that next. But first, Take a moment to make sure that you treat yourself to the meal that you deserve and have one of your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners get $5 off their first order, $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code Locked On. All right, family, as we wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, we should take a look at what this loss for the Saints to the Atlanta Falcons means for their playoff position, all of essentially the long-term effects that go beyond the Saints simply being a 7-2 and team and having dropped a divisional game. That's kind of embarrassing. So the big thing here is that, look, when you look ahead, the Saints now, I believe, will find other ways to improve throughout the rest of this season. Their complete lack of execution and watching a Falcons team that was mostly inept come into this game and come into 
into your home and, uh, and, and actually execute and show you what execution looks like. It's kind of embarrassing. So I think that the Saints will take this sort of the same way that they took the 48 to 40 loss at the beginning of the season last year as a punch to the throat and create a lot of sort of reality checks that will help them improve through the rest of the season. So that's where I think the Saints are on their way to. But let's look at what this means now for their playoff hopes, because this does kind of shuffle up the top of the NFC a little bit. The Saints lose this game. And yes, the Panthers also lost this game, which might make you feel like this game, you know, the the, the loss itself to the Falcons was meaningless because the Saints maintain first place in the NFC South and really don't, you know, continue their distance from the Carolina Panthers. However, what it does mean is that even though the Saints are winning their division still, it does put the Green Bay Packers and the San Francisco 49ers ahead of them in playoff seeding, knocking them out of the first two seeds down to the third seed for the Saints. That's not great news because what the Saints are going to be looking for here is, of course, the first round bye, which you need the top two seeds, and then, of course, as well, home field advantage. So it knocks them out of contention, at least for now, with that, and they're now going to need some help, whereas before, they kind of controlled their own destiny, especially with the head-to-head coming up in a couple of weeks against the San Francisco 49ers. But now, because the Green Bay Packers have a better NFC record, conference record, than the Saints do, who are now 5-2, and two, having dropped both of their games to NFC opponents, that now puts them behind both the Packers and the San Francisco. Go 49ers. Now, there's still a lot of time left in the season. They could still end up winning the top two spots or perhaps the top spot just with their record outright. Like I mentioned, they still have the uh, the head-to-head game against the San Francisco 49ers. They're going to be really pissed off by the time that they get to that game. So they still have the ability here, but now they're going to need some help from the Green Bay Packers to kind of fall off. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, a loss from the San Francisco 49ers to the Seattle Seahawks tonight wouldn't hurt either because the Saints already have a win over the Seahawks. So that helps to have the San Francisco 49ers drop a game as well as drop a game to a common opponent that the Saints have already won. And the Saints then would be tied essentially with the uh, Seattle Seahawks, but they have the tiebreaker there because of the fact that they beat the Seattle Seahawks outright. So that helps. So those are sort of the things that you're looking for in terms of how this is going to affect the Saints moving forward. The Saints essentially controlled their own sort of fate when it came to the playoff seating and what it was that they were looking at there. But now they're just going to need a little bit of help. So we'll start to track all of that now that we're getting you know, now that we're past the midpoint of the season, that's something that will help you keep track of here on the podcast. Make sure you keep it locked here for all of that. Now, that's sort of the playoff seating and what it means for the future of the team. But some of these injuries that took place over this over this game against the Atlanta Falcons, if they're going to equal extended time for some of these guys, that's a big task for the Saints. The first of which, of course, is Marshawn Lattimore, hamstring injury. We know how hamstring injuries go. It's a matter of when, not if. So it depends on how on the severity of this. He was out there. He was riding the bike. He was still walking around. He he was still engaged and on the sidelines. So I don't think it was as severe a hamstring injury as we've seen some other players in the NFL suffer from to where they're consistently re-injuring it. I think maybe he figured it out early and then got off the field and they kept him off the field before it got worse. Might have been mostly precautionary, but we'll learn more coming into Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of this week. We'll learn a little bit more about that. The Andrus Pete injury, which was an arm injury. We'll see what happens there. The good news for the Saints is that they do still have Nick Easton. Will Clapp struggled in place of Andrus Pete. You probably don't want to have him there. That's not his role. His role is a jumbo sixth man guy, but Nick Easton has played that position and has played that position well. They worked him out there a lot over the offseason. It's where he spends most of his practice reps. So you get him in if you need to in place of Andrus Pete, and you're probably going to be okay. In fact, you might even be better off. We don't really know yet. Andrus Pete has not been the best this season. He will not be a saint next year. I'm very confident about that, and I think that the signing of Nick Easton is going to help with that transition. I expect to see Nick Easton get those reps at 
left guard if Andrus Pete isn't able to go. The other scenario would be that you allow Will Clapp in there and then you keep Nick Easton active on game day so that he becomes your sixth swing man. But if they really like Will Clapp in that position, you let him play that position. You put Nick Easton where you know he can produce at that left guard position. Now, perhaps the biggest injury to me and something that just absolutely pissed me off throughout this game was at the very end when the Saints were fighting for whatever reason to score some garbage time touchdowns with all of their starters out there. Michael Thomas got knocked a little wobbly about four plays from the end of the game on the first down catch that got them the new set of downs when they were a goal to go. When he got knocked out and he was a little wobbly getting up and he was hinged over at the waist, he should have been taken off the field. He should have come off the field immediately. The Saints then ran to the line of scrimmage. They spiked the ball. That's fine. Get him off the field. Instead, he played essentially four more downs from the fact that he looked not well. He looked like something went wrong. And he played four more downs, including diving for catches, taking more contact, getting hit, all of that. And if it was a head injury, which we don't know yet, I'm just saying it looked like he was just a little off center. So if it was a head injury, that could have gotten worse with every snap. And the Saints cannot afford to lose a guy that's going to get you 13 catches and 152 yards in a game. They can't afford to lose Michael Thomas, who just became the quickest player to ever catch 400 passes, to now have the most catches over the first four years of his season, to be the first player in the NFL this year to go over a thousand yards in a season. You can't lose him. And so when he looks not well, don't keep him on the field for nothing. You had nothing to gain in that moment. You were down 26 to 9. You score a touchdown and whoopee, you're down 26 to 16. There's no pride in that. I don't know what was going on there, but it was clear that something had gone wrong with Michael Thomas and we should keep a track. We should keep track of it throughout the week to see exactly what happens. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll do a quick installation of Deswatch here. Uh, it was great to see Jared Cook get involved. Again, six catches with 74 yards. But outside of the two of them, the Saints had no passing game. Ted Ginn Jr. was targeted three times, walked away with no catches, a couple of drops. Uh, I'll, I'll add a little installment here of Deswatch and say this is looking a little bit more like it makes sense than it did earlier in the season. And this is something that we mentioned. If the Saints were in the same position that they were in last year, if the Saints you know, were losing players due to injury at the wide receiver position, then maybe Des Bryant does deserve that phone call. So my fingers are crossed right now that the Saints are his first stop and that the Saints maybe give him an opportunity here and see what can happen because the Saints clearly do need more help at the wide receiver position. Traquan Smith came back, made an outstanding catch and absorbed some contact, but Ted Ginn Jr. is just not shaping up. I'm Sorry, I like Ted Ginn Jr. I'm a big fan of him, except for the fact that I don't even know. Have people even been paid for that 40 yards of gold thing? Did, did he ever pay anybody? I don't even know. But outside of that, I'm a big fan of Ted Ginn and I like what he does. But right now, he's just not putting it out on the field at all. He's not putting it out on the field. So maybe the Saints should start looking elsewhere and maybe Des Bryant is the right call. So all right, y'all, that's going to do it for today's episode. Make sure you come back tomorrow. We'll look at pro football focus grades. We'll talk through all of the analysis there. I'll take a little bit of a deeper look into the all 22 as well. The Saints got beat up on the ground. Let's talk about why. This is what I'm really interested in this week. The Saints have felt some adversity here. Let's talk about what happened. Let's talk about what went wrong and what the Saints need to fix to move forward. So that's what we're going to focus on throughout this week, heading into this next game. The Saints traveling to Tampa Bay. We'll have James Jarko, David Harrison on for the Locked On crossover on Wednesday, and then we'll continue to move forward. Personnel grouping analysis, all the stuff that you need to get ready for the game on Sunday. So thank you very much for being with me here on this Reality Check Monday. Saints taking a big loss against their division rival Atlanta Falcons, but greener pastures moving forward. So as always, thank you so much for coming through. Once again, I am Ross Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross 
Josh Jackson ASC. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. And if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe. Drop that five-star rating and review. Thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints. And trust to that nation, I'll holla at you.